0: I am fully persuaded that the greatest evidence that the Bible is the infallible, inspired, inerrant, authoritative word of God, I am fully persuaded that it is all of that because as I see and as, as I see in this book from Genesis to revelation, God unfolding his glorious pan of redemption. Now, you understand this book was written over 1,500 years by men breathed upon by the Holy Spirit, over 66 different authors. It was written some in Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew. But now you need to understand, there's a scarlet thread that starts in the book of Genesis. And runs all the way. It's always there. It's always there in every book until you get to the book of Revelation. And so it is this amazing plan of redemption that God has. And by the way, this book is all about redemption, y'all. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about how we can be right with God. And it's all about how God can come and be a part of our lives. It's not just a history book. It's the Word of God that reveals to us the character and nature. It also tells us how we can be right with God. And so the marvelous plan of redemption. You know, God's plan is, uh, this is about Jesus of Nazareth, the sinless Lamb of God, that through Jesus of Nazareth, the sinless Lamb of God, the way is provided for us to be forgiven of our sin, to be right with God, and to be filled with God. And this plan of redemption is all about the Lamb of God. We, we sang about that this morning. But you know, if, if somehow the Holy Spirit can get this beyond your intellect, heart, you will be more convinced of God's wonderful redemption plan than you've ever been in your life, because even as I did in the last while, uh, it just as I, I would see how God was showing us the Lamb of, and the Lamb of God here, and the Lamb of God here, and then John's announcement about the Lamb of God. It just absolutely overwhelmed me. Every place of his plan of redemption place. In first in John chapter 1, verse 29, now I want you to notice what John, it says. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now John could have said behold him who was born of the Virgin Mary conceived in her by the Holy Spirit behold the one who was just baptized and And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and and declared, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He could have said many things about Jesus, but he said, no, no. I want to say something that every Jew would understand. Now, if a Gentile was in the crowd, they would not understand it at all. But every Jew that heard this immediately knew that this was a prophetic encounter that they were having. When John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there had to rise up in every Jew that was there. An excitement because for years and years, hundreds of years, they had been preparing for the Lamb of God to come into the world. All of their celebrations Now, let's go back to the first, I think, the first revelation about the Lamb of God. In Genesis 26, 6, we see Abraham and Isaac. Now, you need need to realize that the Lamb of God is the prophetic, he's the prophetic Lamb of God, prophesied throughout the Old Testament. And so, we see a first example of this, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went up together. But Isaac spoke to, to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. He said, here I am, son. Isaac said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then Abraham's son, Abraham said, listen to what this said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb. That was a prophetic thing. But it was pointing to the time when the Lamb of God would come. My my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went up together. But I'll tell you, the greatest prophetic picture of the Lamb of God is in the Passover. In Exodus chapter 12, Verse one, Here, here's here's the circumstances: had been in bondage for four hundred years. God had heard their cry, He had heard their cry, and so He said Moses and so forth there to, to 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 tell Pharaoh, people go. I am said, let my people go. Said no, and then they had ten plagues. That's one with the rivers turning into blood, and one with the uh, the lice and all all kind of plagues. But it got to the last one, and celebrate, and are still celebrating, oh, today, Orthodox Jews are still celebrating today. In Exodus chapter 1, and the Lord, 12 verse 1, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, uh, uh, the Lord spoke to Aaron, verse verse, and the Lord spoke to Moses, land of Egypt, saying, now here it is, this month shall be the beginning of, of months, it shall be the month of the year to you. Alright, so it's the first month that's important. Speaking to all the congregation of Israel, on the 10th of this month, take for himself a lamb. Oh, on the 10th of the first month, every man shall have a lamb, according to the household of his father, a lamb of his household. Your lamb shall be, Jesus is the sinless lamb of God. Your lamb shall be without blemish of the first year you shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Someone said they got the lamb and they knew that they were, going to have, they were going to sacrifice it. But they got it on the 10th day and had that lamb in the house around them for four days. And it just became part of the family. And so the sacrificing of this lamb was no light thing to them. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. Listen to this. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Every Jewish household, every Israelite household at twilight. Took that lamb that had been with them for four days. They slay slew it. And you know what God told them to do? Look at what he said. And you shall take some of the bud, get this, and put it on the two doorposts. They put it on this doorpost and this doorpost, and you shall put it on the lintel of the houses up here. You know, it was really the picture of a cross, you know. And you shall take some of the blood and place it on the doorpost and the lintel of your house. Now, here's what it said. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Every firstborn man and beast of the Egyptians He said, I'll slay every one of them. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I I am the Lord. And so we see, and you go on, and you look at verse 13. Now the blood, okay, the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Now get this, when I see the blood of the Lamb, When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land. And then it goes on and says in the next verse, so this day, now now here's what you've got to realize. That was the first Passover. So this day shall be to you a memorial. You're going to keep doing this, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, so they started at Passover having a feast, and in the feast it, it told everything about what happened in Egypt and about the blood and all that stuff and the lamb. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation, and you shall keep it for an everlasting ordinance. So every year, and they still do it now, every year, 14th day of the month, first month of the year. The Jews will celebrate the Passover with a Passover meal. And they've been doing that ever since God did that and they went out of Egypt. Now, won't you think about this? These Jews had been doing that. They grew up as boys and girls doing that. And all of a sudden John the Baptist who had startled everybody when he came out of the wilderness preaching. When he saw Jesus, he said in the presence of all those Jews, Behold! The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And every Jew immediately went back to the Passover. And how God delivered Egypt when he, pa- he passed over them when he saw the blood. And it shall be when your children will say to you, what does this service mean? What does this Passover, me- Passover meal means?" It says that you will tell them, that you will say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt. He struck the Egyptians and delivered our household, so the people bowed their head in worship. Okay, you've got to understand. Abraham said to Isaac, the Lord will provide a lamb. And then to deliver his people, there was the Passover lamb with blood over the doorpost, the blood of the lamb, which meant that God would pass over them. But then, you see the unfolding plan of redemption, not only in Abraham and Isaac, but all, not only in the Passover, but oh my heavens, you see it on the Day of Atonement. Now the Passover is still celebrated by the Jewish people today. They don't realize the Lamb of God has already come. But also we, we get to the Day of Atonement. And, and let me tell you about that, man, this, this is absolutely awesome. And one thing it showed me as I studied the Day of Atonement was the holiness of God. And you'll see why. It talked about how holy God is and that no sin could ever go into His presence. It it, it says here that the Day of Atonement would be in the 10th month on the 7th day. The 10th month, the 7th day. Let's look at it. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 29. Now, the Day of Atonement occurred every year, and the Jews still celebrate the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur, I think it is. This shall be a statute forever in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls, do no work at all, whether the native of your country or stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you, atonement for their sins. On that day, tenth month, seventh day, Every year, the tri- he will make the, the priest will make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from your sins before the Lord. So they they still celebrate the Day of Atonement, but, but now I, I want to show you all that had to go through on the Day of Atonement for for the people to be cleansed from their sin for that year. First of all, the the, the, the high priest Aaron. He had to offer a sacrifice for himself and his family. I didn't realize that. Before he could ever offer a sacrifice for the people, it says in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 6, look what it says. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and his house. So first of all, Aaron had to be sure he was his sins were washed away, and I had to be sure he was cleansed from his sin, and his household was. And then it says in um, uh, verse 11, so, and Aaron shall bring the bull of the, of the sin offering, which is for himself, make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself. Then in verse 14 it says, he shall take, now listen, so he would go into the, inside the veil. In the Holy of Holies. Now we know there was an outer court in the tabernacle. All the people could go there. But there was the holy place. With the table of uh, the seven golden lampstands. The table of showbread. The altar of incense. Only the priests could go in there. And then there was the veil. But nobody could go in there. But the high priest on the tenth month. The seventh day. The day of atonement. Once a year the high priest could go in. So Aaron would go in. And make an atonement for himself. And this is what he would do. He would take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood uh, seven times. So here he was just sprinkling the mercy seat. And by the way, (laughs) we want God to see us through the mercy seat. See, under the mercy seat were the Ten Commandments that everyone had broken, and the uh, the manna from heaven and Aaron's rod that budded. But uh, see, everybody, uh, the, the blood had to be applied to the mercy seat. And so he would do that for himself. Then guess what he would do? He would go outside and he would sprinkle other things in the tabernacle. But I didn't know this. Before he could even think about offering a sacrifice for the people... He had to go to the altar where they brought all their animals in the outer court to be sacrificed. He would have to cover, sprinkle the four horns of the altar with the blood of that bull and have to sprinkle the altar with that blood. Now, having done that, he was ready to offer a sacrifice for the sin of the people. I got to thinking, man, if Aaron hadn't, hadn't cleansed himself, hadn't gone in there right with God, and sprinkle that mercy seat, and and, you know, he would have dropped dead if he hadn't been right with God when he went in there. And he couldn't offer a sacrifice for the sin of the people if there was anything in his life that was not right with God. And so, after he does that, let me tell you what he does. This really got to me. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 5. When I first saw this, the first time years ago, I started crying because it was so, such a vivid picture of Jesus. And adds already got, had a bull, and he's offered a sacrifice for his sins and his family. He shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering. And it goes on and says in the next verse, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which he's already said, for which he is for himself, and make atonement for himself in his house. But let me tell you about the two goats, two kids from the goats. He would cast lots on them. There were two of them, without blemish, without spot. He would cast a lot. And the one on which the lot fell, that would be the sacrifice, that would be the Lord's sacrifice. And the other one on which it did not fall, a live goat, on which the sins of the people would, and it would wander into the wilderness. It says here, bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it. And, and, And then he goes on and says, this is what really blows my mind. On the goat in which the lot failed to be the scapegoat, called the it shall be presented alive to make atonement upon it and let it go as a scapegoat to the wilderness. But now I want to see what you did to that. It says here, it goes on and says, the goat which the lot fell, it shall be presented. But let's go on to where it talks about uh, in verses uh, 20 and 22. All right. when he had made the end of atoning in the tabernacle of, of the altar. He the goat. So he's already offered the first goat as a sacrifice and took the blood in there and sprinkled the altar and everything for the people. But now he's got the live goat. And guess what? You, now this is absolutely of what happened to Jesus. It says, Aaron's hands on the head of the live goat. So here's that goat. And Aaron, the high priest, offered a sacrifice for his sin, having gone into the tabernacle of holies and offered the the uh, lot, the Lord which the lot fell and offered it for the sins of the people. Now Places his hands on the head of that scapegoat. It says here, and he shall ba- lay both his hands on, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions, concerning their sins, putting them their transgressions and sins, putting them on the head, and shall send it away by the hand of a suitable man. What a picture. Man, on that cross, the Father took all your sins and all your iniquities and he placed on his son, Jesus. And it's like Jesus died. Cares sins away into the wilderness. You see, that that a little kid of the it was it was helpless, and they wander on in the wilderness, wander on in the wilderness until it died, as a sacrifice for the, the people. So here we see that there was a lot of goat that they offered in the holy of holies for the sins of the people. But then there was the other, which they placed all their sins on, just wandered on into the wilderness and died, K, their sin. Now, all the Israelites knew about that. They celebrated celebrate still the Day of Atonement. They still do it on the seventh day. Now, so here comes John, and he says, Behold, wait a minute, the, behold the Lamb of God who takes away, you thought of that scapegoat? All the sins of Israel had been placed? way into the wilderness? Can you imagine? They knew exactly what John was re- referring to. God's marvel of redemption was being unfolded before their eyes. And, 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 uh, and so it was amazing how that the Day of Atonement they celebrated is a type of a coming Lamb of God, Lamb of God. And they every day, every year. Okay. We see the prophetic Lamb of God, all right? Now, the next thing I want you to see is this, is the present-day Lamb of God, not just the prophetic. And I'm telling you, when I see Abraham saying, the Lord will provide a lamb, and when I see the blood over the doorpost of those Israelites and and, and the the death angel passing over, and God say, I just see Jesus, man, I see Jesus. And then when I see the, 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 uh, the live goat offered his... In, on the altar, then I see the scapegoat. I just see it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's what it is. And it, they were just point, was getting people ready for his redemption when the Lamb of God would take away the of the world. Now let's talk about the present John chapter 1 verse five. It says, uh, why do you, and they came saying, John the Baptist, why do you baptize? You're not the Christ or, nor Elijah, now the prophet went on and said in verse 26, John said, As with water. But there stands one, he was talking about Jesus, whom you do not know. And he who is coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap, he said, I'm not worthy to unloose Jesus' sandal strap. He said, These things were done in Bethlehem before the Jordan, where John was 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 baptizing. Alright. And then verse 29. Having said that, the next day, this is the present Lamb of God. This is, we're living in this day. John said, Behold, the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. It was the Lamb God spoke to Abraham about. It was the Lamb that showed the blood of Jesus pass, enables us to be forgiven and to be saved. It, it was the blood of the day of atonement, when those sacrifices were made. And and, and, and so uh, here here it is, the Lamb of God today. And in verse 32, John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. This is right after he'd said he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, he is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And boy, I love this. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Man, I see God's plan of redemption in in Genesis, in Exodus, in Leviticus, and on I could go, and then... I see it in, in, in the Gospel of John. And now we, we're thinking about the present Lamb of God for us today. Okay, here is the God's marvelous plan of redemption. It was fulfilled when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary in the manger in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, lived a sinless life, at age 12 went to the temple and amazed the people. With his knowledge, he knew more than they did, and he amazed them with his knowledge. He grew on up, and he began, He was baptized by John. John declared him as the Lamb of God that takes away the world. And then Jesus began to perform miracle after miracle after miracle, and it was obvious. But the people got they got upset with him. And you know who got upset with him? The sinners loved him. The sinners loved him. Oh, oh, oh! The the, the guy sitting at the gate out of. Jericho. J- J- Jesus, son of David, have mercy. I, I mean the, the, he, 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 the, and the Pharisees after him is because he spent too much time with publicans and sinners. I want to thank God he spent time with publicans and sinners. But we see Jesus as the Lamb of God. And, and I want you to look at this redemption in Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse seventeen, I want you to look at now, you say, Brother Fred, how in the world can a person 's sin be forgiven? Obviously goly, because Aaron had to offer sacrifice for his sin and his family, then he had to sprinkle all of the things in the tabernacle and the altar with the blood of a lamb, and then there had to be a live, a live uh, Lamb sacrificed for the sins of the people. Then there had to be the scapegoat on which all the sins of the people were transferred and they were carried out into the wilderness. They did that every, day, every year on the tenth month, the seventh day. Obviously, God is holy. He's holy. He, he, he hates sin, but He loves sinners. Now He loves you, but He hates sin. No exception. No, God doesn't make any exception. No, He's holy. If he could have something to do with one sin, he could have something to do with all sin. But he can't because he's holy. And so what God does is, uh, in 1 Peter 1, 17, now look at what it says. If you call on the Father, now you need to get this first part, who without partiality judges everyone according to each word, each one's work. Listen to me. God will judge you and me according to each one of our works. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one work, you you conduct yourselves throughout your time and stay here in fear. Said You you need to live in the fear of the Lord. Well, nobody won't know. God knows. I, I won't ever have to pay. You reap what you sow. Oh, oh. Come on. And then it goes on and tells us God's plan of redemption started back there in in Genesis. Knowing that you were redeemed, purchased, paid for, bought back, restored, knowing that you're redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver and gold. You know, today people spend all their lives getting corruptible silver and gold. You say, I sure would like to have some. Well, I mean it wouldn't hurt, but anyway, here's what he says. He said, you, ca- you, "You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with aimless, from the aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But how were we redeemed? Now look at this. Peter wrote it, "But you were redeemed with the precious." blood of Christ. The blood over the doorpost. Uh, Aaron sprinkled seven times. The blood that Aaron covered the altar with. He said, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. You were purchased. You were paid for. You were made possible. But with the precious the precious the precious blood of Christ. As a lamb. Oh. Without spot and without blemish, that plan of redemption that started with Abraham came to fulfillment when Jesus came to this earth and as the Lamb of God to the cross. Pilate said, "I find no fault. He was the sinless lamb of God. and as the sinless lamb of God, he could pay the price for every one of us, and just as they laid the hands." on the head of the boat, and confessed and put on him all the sins of Israel, and it wandered off into the wilderness and died. I was the Father, my. It says in Isaiah, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about that. The precious Lamb of God and the Father placed on him. So we were redeemed, not with things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. And so that's how God's plan of redemption unfolded. And we're still living in that plan. But it's not over yet. It's not over yet. But here's the thing I'm saying to you. You will never be saved until you recognize that you are a sinner. You will never be saved until you recognize that you are lost. You will never be saved until you understand that Jesus took every one of your sins, every one of you. The Father laid on Jesus every one of your sins, every one of them. And he died in your place. He bore your sins off into the wilderness, never to be remembered anymore. And he is the Lamb of God that can take away your sin. You can never work to get rid of your sins. You can never be religious enough to get rid of your sins. The only way you ever going to get rid of your sins is to humble yourself at the foot of the cross and receive Jesus Christ as the perfect substitute, as the Lamb of God who died in your place. And what a tragedy it would be for you to reject the Lamb of God. What a tragedy! it would be. My heavens, when Jesus went to the cross for you, and you turn your back on him and walk away, and then all this left for you is the judgment of God. You say, well, Brother Fred, I don't know if you believe the Bible. You must be ignorant. I just showed you how God had a plan. And every time he fulfilled every part of that plan, and the Jews who were still looking for the Messiah still have the Passover meal. They still celebrate the Day of Atonement. It's a high and holy day for the Orthodox Jews. But see, we know that the Messiah Messiah has come. We know that the Lamb of God has come. We know that the sacrifice has already been made. We know that we can be forgiven of our sins. My goodness, alive! Hallelujah! What a Savior! But you know, let me go on. And, <laughs> Jesus is not only the God. He's not only the present today Lamb of God. But I want you to know this. He's the power of God. Oh, prophetic? Yes. Yeah. Personal, present day Lamb of God. Oh, He's the powerful, powerful Lamb of God. You see... We see a picture of Jesus in the mission where he, God's fixing to unleash judgments as part of the tr- great tribulation. And we see that nobody could take the scroll. Look at what it says in verse 5. Uh, in verse eight it says, now when Jesus had taken the scroll, had a seven seals, seven judgments. When Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living elders fell down before the Lamb. Now wait a minute. Now we're all the way over in Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And guess who we're still talking about? The Lamb. The focus of heaven is on the Lamb. Amazing. Amazing. He had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls, and scents, which are the prayers of the saints. new song sing, you're worthy to take this and to open the seals of God's judgment. For you were slain. And have redeemed us to God by your tongue, out of every tribe, tongue, and nation. You have redeemed us to God and, and made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on earth. And then I looked around and I heard the many angels, the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders, number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And what are they doing? Remember when Abraham said to Isaac, "The Lord will provide a lamb. You remember when they took that little lamb that had been in their house for fourteen for four days and they slew it and put the blood over the doorpost, and the death angel passed over. You remember all the lambs and things that were slain on the day of atonement, just to cl- cover could never cleanse, but to cover the sins of the people." And then you remember when John the Baptist came and said to those Jews who hundreds of years had been observing the Passover and the Day of Atonement, he came and said, here's the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. And now here we are getting down toward the end and the, the 4 and 20 elders and all of that are saying, Get, this is what they're saying. This is what they're saying in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. All heaven is worshiping the Lamb of God. Let me tell you one thing. You know who we're going to worship when we get there? If we're saved, we're going to worship the Lamb of God. You know why? Because we know if it wasn't for Him, we wouldn't be there. You have no problem worshiping somebody who, who saved you from an eternal hell. And look what it says about worshiping the Lamb. And every creature which is in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, I heard saying, good gracious, blessing and honor and power be to him who sits on the throne, get this, and to the Lamb forever and ever. God's marvelous plan of redemption. Seen in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. He is the powerful Lamb of God. He is the powerful Lamb of God. You know, the Bible says in Revelation 19, um, verses 1 through 16, that they go, they're gonna, uh, those who reject Christ are going to suffer the wrath of the Lamb. It's in the 19th chapter of Revelation, verses 11 through 16, And it says they cry out for the mountains and the rocks to fall on them. And they don't do it to save them from the wrath of the Lamb. So Jesus is the powerful Lamb of God. But let me go on and say this. He's the prophetic Lamb of God. He's the personal Lamb of God today. He's the powerful Lamb of God. Absolutely powerful. Has all power in heaven and on earth. Seated at the right hand of the Father. But then I want to tell you one other thing about Jesus. He's a, a, in Revelation chapter 6, it it does talk about the wrath of the Lamb. but We won't go there. But in in Revelation 7, 7, He's the soon returning Lamb of God. Now wait a minute the prophetic Lamb of God, the present-day Lamb of God, the powerful Lamb of God, but He is the soon-coming Lamb of God. He's coming back. Look at what it says in verse 7. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye shall see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of Him. Did you know the Lamb of God is coming back? He's coming back. But you know what? He's coming back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Listen to what he said about himself. I'm the Alpha. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. He said, I'm first. I'm the Omega. That's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. That's the Lamb of God who's coming back as King, King. John said, when I saw him, I fell on it. My feet is dead. He laid his right hand on me and saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm telling you, the exciting thing to me is that the, the Lamb of God is coming back, coming back. Over in Revelation 19, it talks about, uh, well, let's look at verse 18. Chapter 1, I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Hey, by the way, I need to just just read this kind of slow. The Lamb of God is coming back, and he's going to be the king. I am he, he who lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of what? Death, of Hades, and death. Hades is a place, dark place of the dead. Hey, he's a soon-coming king. He's a prophetic, he's, he's a Lamb of God the soon return of the Lamb of God. In 19, chapter 19 of Revelation, it talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's in uh, chapter 19, verse 6. It says, that they had made themselves ready. And here it is. And I heard the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters, and the sound of mighty thundering, saying, "Hallelujah!" for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice, and give him glory. Get this: For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife, the church, has made herself ready. Oh, by the way, Jesus is not coming back for a church that looks like the world, lives like the world, acts like the world, and talks like the world. He's coming back for a wife, for a bride that is without spot or blemish. Oh, yeah. And he says, and he said to to her, it was granted to be arrayed in linen, clean and bright, and the fine linen of the righteous acts of the saints. So they're going to have a big marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be awesome. I'm telling you. And look what it says in verse verse 9. Then he said to me, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Well, in the last book of the Bible, okay, chapter 22, verses 6 and 7, I'll just see how it all ends up. See, we started in Genesis, and now we're in the last chapter of Revelation. And then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy Pro- 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 prophets sent his angels to show his servants the things which must shortly take to pa- come to pass. In verse 7 he says, and look what Jesus said. The Lamb of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. That means suddenly. That means suddenly. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words and the prophecies of this book. Then he goes on. In verse 12 he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Jesus says, "Amen." I'm coming suddenly. And my reward is with me to give it to everyone according to his works. And look at uh, verse 13. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And then the last two verses of the Bible in Revelation, uh, verse 19, says, anyone takes away from the, b- the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life, the holy city from which things are written in this book. And then he says, he who testifies to these things says, listen to what Jesus said. Surely, I'm coming quickly. This is is the last verse. This is the end of the unfolding of God's redemptive plan in the Lamb of God. Surely, I am coming quickly. And they said, Amen. And then they said, Even so. Even so. Come, Lord Jesus.